Okay, and then together this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Um, As we look together through here, through Luke chapter 15 together, um, perhaps it's a silly question. Have you ever lost anything important? Um, Those of you who had children know that probably 50% of your life is looking for things that have been lost. And it's usually the moment you need to go out the door. Uh, I don't have my shoes. I haven't got this. And running around trying to find something that you've lost um, or lost something important. As we come here to chapter 15, I call chapter 15 of Luke the lost chapter of the Bible um, because it has stories about loss. It's three stories about loss here that Jesus tells us. There's uh, things about lost, lost items, lost people here. And as we come to this, this passage in Luke chapter 15, there are, as I said, there's three stories here. We're going to look at the first two this morning and then the longer of the two next week. I was going to do all three of them all in one, but we'll, we'll break it up this way. So we'll do the first two stories that Jesus tells this morning and the third next week where he tells three stories. These three stories are saying the same thing. So he tells three stories to say the same thing. Some people say to me, uh, often you're after a service, I noticed you, you basically said if you could have just said it once, we could have been out of here in ten minutes, but you've said the same thing three times. Um, and we do this sometimes, don't we? When we're trying to explain something, when we're trying to help people understand, we will say the same thing over and over again, but we might do it in a different way. So one way we'll explain it, and then if they're not quite getting it or somebody else needs to understand, we'll say it again. But we might add some detail this time or some extra information this time to help people understand or clarify things. And that's what Jesus does here. He has one point he wants to get across, one thing he wants to say, and he's going to say it three times. And each time he says it, he gives us a different perspective on it. He adds a different detail to it. And then in the last story, fills it out a little bit more. But the whole thing, the whole chapter 15 and all three stories have one great purpose. And they all represent and follow the same pattern as we go through. As you can see up there, the the theme of all three, of all three stories, is why Jesus came. That's what chapter 15 is all about. Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and to save the lost. And so that's what all three of these stories are about. They all follow the same pattern. So something is lost, a sheep, a coin, a son, is lost. That something that is lost is then sought for. They seek it out to find this, uh, this something that is lost. Then what was lost is found, and on the finding is the rejoicing. So this pattern repeats itself through all three of these stories and all three of these stories have the same things represented so they all so there's no confusion about who or where is what the same pattern runs through in the same people so as we will see as we read through these stories in the first story is a lost sheep in the second story is a lost coin in the third story is a lost son the sheep the coin and the son all represent the sinner. The person who is lost from God 
in their sin. In these three stories, where there is a sheep, there is a shepherd. Where there is a coin, there is a woman. And where there is a son, there is a father. The, the shepherd, the woman, and the father all represent to us God and his interaction with what is lost, the sinner. So there is no secret here in terms of what he's hiding or anything to find out. The pattern is the same. The information is the same, but each is given to us to see something important, something particular about what God wants us to know. In these stories, Jesus gets right to the very heart of why he came. This is one of the main themes, or the main theme, of the Gospel of Luke, which is put later in in the chapter that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's read through just uh, the first two stories, the first ten verses this morning as we look here. It says in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety in the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman? Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to come to your word. And we come to to perhaps your greatest stories, which tell us such magnificent truths. They may even be very familiar to us. Dear God, I pray this morning as we approach these in your word that we would hear its truths, we would be reminded the greatness of your grace and the motivation to rejoice with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme, as we've seen, isn't complicated. The stories aren't complicated. And we don't intend to make them complicated or long this morning as we look together at them. But they are important. It begins, and the the way to properly understand what Jesus is trying to do in these stories is simply to see the first two verses. The first two verses tell us why Jesus told these stories. So it says in verse 1, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. Something which we see often in the life of Jesus, that Jesus spent time with the people who were the outcasts, who were those that, that were ridiculed and thought so lowly of. 
And we've talked about how lowly the society saw these types of people before. And it's, it's these. It's the, the most hated of society that are drawing around to Jesus. And they're listening to him talk. And they're listening to what Jesus has to say about what it is to be a believer and to be saved from sin. And they're, they're coming. And a crowd of them is coming. And as this crowd of sinners is coming to Jesus, verse 2 tells us, And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So here is the circumstance. Jesus is being surrounded by people who, who are clearly sinners, and they, they know they're sinners, and they're seen as the, the bottom of society. And they're coming to Jesus because Jesus is giving them hope, and he is telling them that there is a way to be saved from their sin. And they're listening to him, and they're hearing him, and some of them are believing and finding salvation in Jesus Christ. And while the Pharisees look on and they see this, they're filled with contempt. They cannot believe that Jesus would give this kind of message, this this offer of salvation to these scum. And they mock him and they ridicule him for this and complain, saying, why would Jesus spend time with these people when he could spend time with us, the righteous, the good ones? And that's why Jesus tells the story. Jesus tells the story because the Pharisees are standing there thinking that they are the ones who deserve God's grace and they're complaining to Jesus about him offering grace to others. This is important. It's the reason for the story. The Pharisees have no idea what God loves. They think they know God's heart. They think they know what God loves and they have no idea what God loves. These three stories help us understand why Jesus came. And so this morning we're going to look at the first two the lost sheep and the lost coin this morning and examine why Jesus came. And the first thing we're going to look at is the tragic loss that we see in these stories. The tragic loss in these stories. The first story begins, is what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? Until he finds it. And then verse 8, the second story is, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. The truth that comes through this story, and as we'll see next week, the third story, the truth that comes here first is that we are all lost. We are lost. The picture of the loss here. So the sheep that is lost from the shepherd and the coin that is lost from the woman is a picture telling us this, that we are separated from God. The shepherd, of course, is God. The woman represents God. The sheep represents us. The coin, us. And in these stories, those things are separated from their owners, just as we are separated from our God. This is a great Loss. We, as natural-born people in this world, are separated from our God, from our creator, from our owner, from our king. See, these stories, 
They could be about the Pharisees who were separated from Israel. They could be about Israel. They could be about nations. They could be about individuals. The reality is these stories, as we read them, are about us. These stories are about you. They're about me. They're about how we are separated from God by our sin. As you read these stories, the sheep is you. The coin is you. In the third story, it will be one of the two sons. You're either the son who runs or the son who stays. Both are in the same position as we will see. In Isaiah 53, in verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Peter describes it like this in his uh, epistle later. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is why Jesus came. He came because we are lost. To be lost means to be lost from God's care, to be lost from God's love, to be lost from God's joy. It is like the sheep in the story, to be exposed to the elements, to be exposed to to judgment. In our case, it's to be exposed to judgment and to death because we are sinners. That is... We have chosen our own way. We have fled from God and pursued our own desires. As we look at these two stories together, to see the truth that Jesus is trying to weave together in us, one is the the pattern that runs through all of them is this, that we are the ones that are lost. But then as we notice these two stories, there are two different things. The first story speaks of a sheep, a sheep which wanders far away from the shepherd and becomes lost. Now, as we look at our lives and we look at the lives of those who are away from God, we may be lost far away. By this, I mean here we may see that the many who have Refuse God, who are clearly away from God, wandering away, rejecting God's instruction, rejecting God's love, and living entirely for themselves. They are clearly not near God. They have chosen, we have chosen, to live far from Him. Being separated from God in our sin, we continue to move further and further away. And find less and less uh, uh, of that love of God as we pursue further our own ways. Our hearts become hard. Our desire is for anything other than God, and anything of godliness decreases from our lives. Like the sheep, we are very clearly lost and far from God. Ephesians chapter 2 describes our life before Jesus this way, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is, we are lost in the sense that we have wandered far from God. We have no interest in God, no love for God, no care for God or the things of God. So maybe like the sheep, we see ourselves as being far from God or are seen as being far from God. In this story, We might see that as being these tax collectors and sinners, the ones who we look at and we say, well, they're clearly 
not godly people. But while it is true that we can be lost far away, what the stories also show us is that we can be lost closer. Because we can be near to God, in a sense, and still be lost. You see, in the second story, there is a coin. The lady loses the coin, but the coin is lost in the house. She is near that. The coin has not run off. The coin is not far away. The coin is there. And here we may be seeing Jesus describe for us those who see themselves like the Pharisees. That is, we are in the vicinity of godliness. We're near God in the sense that we know who God is. We may even like Jesus and, and like what he has to offer. We may come to church. We may be like the Pharisees thought themselves righteous, doing all the right things, living all the right way, looking like our lives are right. So we may be close to what it looks like to be godly, but still be lost, even though we're nearer than others may be, at least in appearance. I um, lost my passports this week. And uh, uh, we were looking for them. Uh, they were there. I put them in a safe place. You know, you put things in a safe place. But circumstances meant I had to move and change my safe place. So I put them in a new safe place, and we had to find them this week. I couldn't remember where my new safe place was. So we were looking all over the house. I looked through drawers and pulled out the clothes out of drawers. And I looked in corners of the house. And I looked in filing cabinets. And I looked everywhere I could think of. Think, where did I find my, put my new place, my new safe place? Now, my passports, I knew, were in the house. They were there. But I couldn't find them. They were still lost. And so what did I do? I turned the house upside down to find my passports. I did end up finding them um, in the exact place where they should have been. But they were there, but lost. And in a sense, this is very much how many people live their lives. We're there. We go to church. We say the right things. We do the right things. We read the Bible. We do all which seems right, but have never been found by Jesus. So we're still lost. We're still lost. And in this process, not only are we lost, but we are helplessly lost. What is true in both of these stories is that what is lost is indeed hopelessly lost. That is, on their own, they cannot find their way back. The sheep has no way of returning. It does not know where it's going. It cannot go back. The coin has no ability in itself to make its way back to the woman's possession. So in both of these stories, they represent to us that what is lost has no way of finding its way back on its own. They are helplessly lost. No concept of how to return. This is, for both situations, a serious situation. So without the intervention of the shepherd, or without the intervention of the woman, neither will be found. In regards to the sheep, if the shepherd does not intervene, the sheep will die. It will be taken by predators or the environment. And so it is with us. Without the intervention of God, we will die. 
He who believes in him, Jesus says in John chapter 3, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. It is without a belief in Jesus, we will die. We will be condemned. We've lost our way. We have lost our way. Not only, though, when we are helplessly lost, have we lost our way, but in the point of, of seeing the coin here, not only have we lost our way, but we find also that we've lost our usefulness. The coin which the woman has, the coins may have been a part of her dowry. This is what her, her father had, had given with her in her marriage. So this was a very important and very precious part of what she owned. She may have worn them in a string over her, her head, together, bound together. Or she may have had them in a pouch which she would carry with her. We don't know how or what it is, and even if it was indeed her dowry, it probably was. But they were very precious coins. When she has those coins, they have usefulness. But now that that coin is gone, it is of no use to her. She cannot use that coin for what it was intended for. It's become useless. It has no use in her life now. It can't be used for what it was intended for. In our lost state from God, one of the things that happens to us is that our usefulness goes away. When we are lost from God, we are not useful. That is, we are no longer to perform. We are no longer able to live the way God intended us to live or to be what God intended us to be. That is gone. Our purpose in life is directly connected to our relationship with God. Which is why so many people in this world are trying to find purpose and trying to find direction because our purpose in life is absolutely connected to our relationship with God. When our relationship with God is broken or lost, so our purpose in this life is lost. It is gone. So when we are helplessly lost, it is true that we have lost our way and that we've lost our purpose. But this third one I want you to listen to or read carefully here. While we have lost our way and while we have lost our purpose, what is also true is that we have not lost our value. We have not lost our value. The result of our being separated from God means we are helplessly lost, unable to find our way home, and we've lost our purpose. But you'll notice that in both stories, with the shepherd and with the woman and her coin, when the sheep is lost and when the coin is lost, both the shepherd and the woman diligently seek for what was lost. They see value in it. So the story teaches us that yes we may be lost we may be far from God lost in our sin lost our way and lost our purpose but God still sees our value this is an important part in the story because this is how Jesus is drawing the Pharisees in so at the end of each story when he says to them and, and talks to them about what it means for God to rejoice 
over the sinner that's saved. He's drawing them in with this fact. That is, you see that the shepherd would leave the 99 to go chase the one. And the Pharisees are thinking, well, of course, there is value in that sheep. It needs to be brought back. It has value. Or when the woman loses the coin, the Pharisees are thinking, well, of course she would look through all of her house for that because the coin has value. And so Jesus is drawing them in to see that all of this has value. He says, if a sheep has value to a shepherd and if a coin has value to a woman, how much more do you think people have value to God? That is how Jesus is drawing them in to see the truth here. We have not lost our value. God continues to seek. The second thing, as we talk about the tragic loss, the second thing we see is God's gracious search. As we look and see how this illustrates God's searching, the first thing we see is that God searches proactively. That is, that God initiates the search. As you read through these stories and you see the reactions here, we find illustrated here is how God's heart grieves. The shepherd, when the sheep is lost, is disturbed and distressed. His soul is restless because the sheep is away. He needs to find that sheep. The woman who lost the coin, her grief is intense. She knows that if she does not find that coin, it's going to bring trouble to her house. There is intense grief. There is restlessness. There is heaviness of heart. It reveals to us the value that God sees in us. It shows how deeply the separation from God affects us. You know, the idea that God is unaffected by our actions is ridiculous. God is not cold or distant. He looks on us with deep affection. His great desire is for our salvation. So Paul says to Timothy, speaking of God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because God's heart is grieved, God pursues us. We see in each story that what is lost is actively searched for. The sheep is unable to find its way home. The coin is inanimate and unable to return. And likewise, God doesn't just stand around calling out, hoping that we'll find our way back to him. He has and he is actively pursuing to save his people. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost, he said. In John chapter 12, he says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. God actively pursues us in our sin by sending Jesus to die. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God searches proactively. It also shows us that God searches diligently. And in that, he does what it takes. He does everything it takes to be able to bring us back, both 
of these stories show us how deeply God desires to save. The shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go find the one. The woman turns her house upside down so she can find the one coin. 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. We were ones lost in sin and under judgment. But instead, he became sin for us, that we might gain righteousness. It says, For God so loved the world, what did he do? That he gave his only son. He did whatever it took, whatever was necessary to provide for salvation for his own. And in doing so, God does not give up. You look in these verses as you read them, and it says, the shepherd looked for the sheep until it was found. So he did not give up until he found the sheep. The woman looks for the coin until it was found. She may have looked under those beds four times. She may have swept that corner out six times. But she did not stop until she found that coin. When I was looking for my passports the other night, I looked through the same drawers three times, thinking maybe I missed it this time. And I'll find it under that stack of clothes. And I kept going back, kept trying to find it. And I looked through places several times trying to find them because I was going to do whatever I needed to do to find those passports. The same is true with God. He searches and he moves until he finds what is his that is lost. And in doing so, he searches thoroughly. He searches thoroughly. It says of the woman here in verse 8, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. Like the woman who lights her house, God lights the darkness. See, in those days, the houses, most of them didn't have windows, and the ones that did have windows had very small windows. So it was dark inside. So she lights a candle so that she can see everywhere. She is going to break the darkness to find what she needs to find. Jesus says, says of Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus himself calls himself the light of the world. That is, he breaks through the darkness of our sin. He shines the light of the gospel. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. The light shines so that you can see the truth, so that you can understand the truth. But not only does she light the light and she looks, but it says that she takes a broom and she sweeps the house. And what happens when you sweep a house? You had hard pat. Uh, dirt floors and she would sweep all over that house and as she sweeps the dust gets thrown up and why is the dust coming up she's throwing the dust up because she wants to see what's under the dust the dust which is laid and covered what is there 
And when Jesus comes into our life, when he starts to search for us, he comes in and he sweeps it out. That is, he, he is pushing all of that sin and he's bringing it all up to get it out of the way and he's cleaning it out. All those things which we've allowed to lay dormant and to cover up in our lives, the, the, the dust and the sin of our life, Jesus comes in and in his searching, he sweeps and he stirs it all up to expose what is in us. And then in sweeping it up, he cleans. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have seen the tragic loss. We have seen God's gracious search. And in that searching, he lights the darkness and uncovers the sin. And lastly, we see God's great rejoicing. God's great joy. It's said of the shepherd in the story that he goes out and when he finds the sheep, he takes the sheep and he throws it over his shoulders. Now, sheep aren't light. But he throws the sheep over his shoulders and he carries it. And it doesn't say that he carries it back to the wilderness where he left the other sheep. It says he goes home. See, when he brings this sheep home, the sheep comes back to a better place than where it left. When it's found by the shepherd, when we are found by God, we return to a better state than where we were. And on his return, in fact, it tells that he picks up the sheep. I have found it, and he puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he finds what he is looking for, it fills his heart with joy. Absolute, pure, and glorious joy. God is overjoyed when a person is saved. This is in contrast to what the the Pharisees were looking at, who thought they loved God, who thought they were good with, with God. And he says, you are looking at people who need salvation and you're mocking them. I love them and I rejoice when they find Jesus as Savior. This is his great purpose. And in doing so, when he finds what he's looking for and he rejoices. So when God uh, finds one of his own and brings them home in salvation and he rejoices, then he calls all of us to rejoice. He calls us to rejoice with him. You see what happens in each of these stories. When what is lost is found, the shepherd rejoices and the woman rejoices, but they don't do it on their own. They go to their neighbors and they go to their friends and they say, come and rejoice with me. When one is saved, when God finally brings one home and and we, we see someone saved in Jesus Christ, they've been found out of their sin and brought back into Jesus Christ and, and God rejoices and all of heaven rejoices, he calls to us to rejoice with him. There should be nothing more joyful, more soul satisfying in our lives than to rejoice over someone who finds Jesus as Savior. Someone who has been found by God. Just like our purpose is connected to our relationship with God, so our joy is connected to the joy of God. And so he calls us to rejoice with him. Just like the shepherd and just like the woman didn't stop looking until all was found and returned, so God has not stopped looking. 
He is still searching today. He has people of his own still in this world which have not been found. And he is not waiting. He is actively pursuing those that are his to bring them home. Is it you? Is it somebody you know? Can you, as it were, hear his voice calling you to believe in salvation? You say, I've been lost far away. Or maybe I'm one who has been lost near. When you are lost and without hope in Christ, he is pursuing you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, let us pursue the same joy. Seek the same pleasure in pursuing those that are lost. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are said, just as Jesus is said to be the light of the world, we are said to need to be lights in the world. That is to reflect his glory, to proclaim his salvation. Let us be lights in dark places to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when he finds one that is his, we can rejoice with him. Whenever and wherever we hear of the lost being found, let it fill our hearts with joy and may it renew our spirit of zeal for our Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it is wonderful to hear how deeply and how wonderfully you love us and search for us. And that in the finding of your people, in the finding of those that are lost, you are filled with joy and rejoicing. Dear God, I pray that that same motive, that same purpose would fill us that we would be moved and driven by seeking the lost and making disciples for Jesus Christ. That we can rejoice with you in those being found. We thank you, dear God, for our own salvation. That you have found us. That you went to the, the lengths that were necessary to bring us back to you. We praise you and thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.